This is the prayer of Elijah in 1 Kings 18. Let's pray. Lord, please speak. Your servants are listening. Amen. Amen. Well, you probably need to read the whole chapter. In fact, the whole of Kings. But <laughs> Good thing the next Lent. This is what the verses say. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord God, sorry, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, that I'm your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood and the stones and the soil and also licked up the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. So this is a big moment um, in the Old Testament. The context is uh, the book of Kings. It starts in the good old days, a golden age with the high point of God's fulfillment, the people in the land, uh, David, the promised return from bondage has happened. They've entered the land. Solomon's built the temple. There's an empire beyond the promised land itself. The temple had been dedicated, but then Solomon had turned away from God. The people became divided, worshipping forbidden idols in forbidden ways, in forbidden places and rituals, often to serve their own purposes and not the Lord's. And here, Ahab the king has, like Solomon, put his relationship with his wife and his relationship with his job as king before his relationship with God and God's task his calling as king. Today, some of us live in a postmodern, post-imperial, multi-faith world, as in the time of the judges, when everybody did what was good in their own eyes. God can seem mute or gone away, or God can seem distant. People relish the power of individual choice, and what is delivered is delivered by Deliveroo and Amazon. For some, faith has become religion. Some have lost faith. Believers are persecuted. By the end of Kings, the kingdom having been divided into two, Israel and Judah, they've both gone successively into exiles out of the land with only a very small remnant left. And it's written for exiles whose fathers had turned away to bring them back to the Lord. So pretty much what? Elijah is challenging the people to do at the time with the choice that he puts before them. If Baal is God, serve him. If God is God, serve him. A choice. An unusual, this is public petition prayer. A lot of what we normally include in our prayers is not present. This is for single purpose. And it's not the most immediately obvious purpose. It hasn't rained for three years three and a half years actually, seven rainy seasons have failed 
and there won't be food in an agricultural community until it's rained again and you've ploughed and you've sown and you've waited and you've harvested, just like Ukraine. They can't sow while they're fighting. If the Lord is God, follow him. Um, the New Testament has uh, Revelation 3, the words of the Spirit to Laodicea about being uh, neither hot nor cold, lukewarm, halting between two opinions, thinking that they can see, thinking that they can heal, thinking that they have sight, but actually they're described as blind. So the prayer of Elijah is for today, for us. And I think it mirrors the Lord's Prayer quite closely. See whether you agree. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. It's an appeal to the God of the ancestors. Jesus calls them, uh, calls them the living. This is the God of the living, not, the li not of the dead. And this is like the Our Father opening to the Lord's Prayer, I think. This is the God of the covenant. This is the one true God, the God of their ancestors, the provider of the land they're in. And some God, a God, whoever he is, has withheld the rain. Why? Because Elijah has asked him to. If you read James 5, verse 17. Because Deuteronomy 11 says that if you love the Lord and serve him with all your heart and soul, he will give you two seasons of rain a year, grain, wine, oil, and grass. But if you turn to other gods, there'd be no rain. The land will yield no fruit, and you will perish quickly off the land that the Lord your God is giving you. If we don't honor God, something has to happen. Let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, in the UK, in the Ukraine, wherever. This is the hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come to the people and the people to the kingdom. It's the same thought. Let it be known that I'm your servant. Thy will be done. I serve. That's what we do in the church. And this is a relationship with the master. It's not celestial shopping. It's not Jesus my grocer. It's not Jesus my Amazon. It's not even Jesus my boyfriend. It's, it's not prayer to bossing God about and telling you what to do. It's not even prayer that doesn't say please. I meant to say please at the beginning of our prayer this morning and I forgot. And let it be known that I've done these things at your command, says Elijah. What's he done? He's put God to the test, which we're told not to do. But he claims that God has told him to do that. That's a big claim, to do something which is out of the ordinary run of what you're supposed to do in Scripture. And he hasn't asked for rain. He wants God to reveal himself and answer by fire first. So for Elijah, the most important thing is not feeding the people, watering the people and the creatures, 
the most important thing is the relationship with the living God. I've done all these things. And it's not accurate ritual. It's not necessarily passion or frantic panic dancing. It's fervent and it's persistent. So what's he done? Well, he's listened all day while the prophets of Baal have begged their God to light a fire. And he's put water in the trench so nobody can cheat and do it for him. And he's exposed Baal as powerless despite his prophets, rituals and prayers and blood. And he's built an altar of 12 stones on the top of Mount Carmel. He's arranged a bull, as Leviticus 1 tells him to do, on wood, probably more than two pieces, and probably in order. And he's poured water on it all. Everybody ready now? Where did the water come from? There hasn't been any rain. He'd left the brook Cherith because it dried up. Is there any, is there any water in the river Kit, uh, bleh, get it right, uh, Kishon, which is by uh, the mountain? I've been the mountain. It's quite, quite steep. It's quite big. Bit of a, bit of a slog up. But if it's seawater, Elijah has tremendous command of the people. The king is there. And he's waited all day, taunting pale. And now he wants people to go down with four containers, fill them up with water, presumably from the sea, and pour it over the sacrifice. Do it again, do it again. He's got tremendous command of the people to get them to do that. Doesn't appear to have any point. If it is seawater, then it might stand for judgment, as in Noah's flood, or the flood in Noah's time. It might stand for destruction. It might stand in some way for death. This sacrifice is drenched figuratively, repeatedly, in sin, judgment, and death. Does it look forward to the Lord? Either way, it can't be lit by a man because of the trench. And now it's almost tea time, and here he is on his own. He thinks he's the remnant of one against the apparent powers of the enemy, of other gods, 500 prophets, the king, and a ruler of this world or of all the world who's judged and estranged from heaven and who's hostile like a roaring lion. Elijah stands alone with his prayer public. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me, persistent, fervent. Will God listen now to this one man after three years of his people's prayers for rain, no doubt, to Baal? So what kind of a prayer is it? It's based in Scripture, Deuteronomy. It's based on faith arising in harsh seclusion, in desperate times for him. Believers are being persecuted. He has had to hide. He's had to, to go into temporary exile. It's built on his personal experience of God in those years of isolation. It's built on God's promises and covenant and character. He was at the brook. He was in Zarephath. It's based on the miraculous answers to prayer and the deliverance which he's seen, provision in life, life taken and life restored to the widow's son. 
It's based in conversation with God, in argument with God, I suppose, and increasing awareness of God day by day. And what is the prayer? Is it for rain? No. That this people may know that you are God. This is the fundamental need, not necessarily the most obvious need, not necessarily the most hu obvious human need. This is the thy kingdom come prayer, I think. Give us the rain today for the bread later. Give us the bread of life today. Forgive our sin, deliver us from evil. Accept the sacrifice that is made because it's a sacrifice for atonement. This is a time of trial to which they have been brought. That this people may know that you are God and that you are turning, have turned, will turn, will have turned their hearts back to you. Thine is the kingdom. This is brought by revelation. It's brought by the God who answers by fire. It's brought by God's revelation, John 16. 7 to 15. And then the fire of the Lord fell and it burnt up the sacrifice and the wood. Well, it would burn the wood, wouldn't it? And the stones and sucked up the water. And it says also the soil. I don't know whether that's the dust of the, of the sacrifice and the ash or whether that is the very ground that it was standing on. It didn't burn Elijah. And when the sons of um, Aaron had offered unauthorized fire, um, Abihu and uh, Nadab, I think, they'd been burnt up when the fire came from the Lord. But this exonerates Elijah as well as shows that the sacrifice is accepted. And perhaps it's burnt the stones, it's burnt the altar. Why, why burn the altar? Well, in the sacrifice that this is foreshadowing, the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus at Calvary, that's once and for all. You're not going to use the altar again. You don't need it. It's a full, perfect, sufficient sacrifice, oblation and satisfaction for the sins of the whole world, isn't it? And that's what we give thanks for today. So, Yahweh is God. God the sender, the Father. The fire is the Spirit, Luke 3. And the Son is the sacrifice to which this sacrifice looks forward. And what happens? What happens? The people fall on their faces, an act of repentance. Their hearts have turned back. The prayer is answered in the positive. And what do they do? They acknowledge God. They say, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. It happens to be Elijah's name. The Yah word is Yahweh, Elijah. And the El word is a word of the time for God, the God. So it's an act of worship and it's repeated. There's no ritual, there's no practice, there's nothing accompanying, there's no direction. They just fall down in repentance and they worship God. And it's a change.
because they'd all been silent for the whole of the rest of the day. And it's an act of judgment coming because Elijah tells them to seize the prophets of Baal. So they have to take action. They have to do an act which brings them into that situation. It happens to involve killing the prophets. It happens to have something to the prophets of Baal, something to do with death. A little bit, perhaps, in the same sort of area as baptism. Something that you do, that people see, that has something to do with death and resurrection. And Israel escapes the judgment which falls on the prophets of Baal because they have trusted in the sacrifice. And the people are complicit now in what Elijah has done. Elijah, the, the NIV says that um, uh, Elijah had them, uh, killed them. Uh, the ESV says he had them brought. I don't know which is the better translation, but it doesn't matter because the people are complicit. If Elijah had killed 500 men, one after the other, personally, one by one, the people must have prevented them running off. They're complicit in what has happened. They've joined in in an action which has to do with, with, uh, with judgment and with atonement and removes the condemnation which is otherwise going to fall upon them for their previous actions. It's an action, act also of turning, it's an act of rejection, and it's an act of obedience. And then Elijah prays for rain. Then he prays for the obvious and desperate and urgent human need. And God grants it. And he's faithful to his word in Deuteronomy 11. I did prepare some application, but I'm going to leave it to you because I've gone on too long. Amen.